Hey, how's it going? It's Alex here. Now, if you've been following the podcast and you've been following the Investing 101 series that we've been doing, you know, in parts one and two, we talked about what the three things you can do with money are. And then in part two, we talked about the eighth wonder of the world, which is compounding. Now, if you haven't listened to those, I definitely recommend you listen to those first before listening to today's episode because everything is structured in a certain order. But now we're going to get into part three. Now that we understand what investing is and why it's so powerful, the question becomes, where can I put my money to earn a high rate of return? Now, the answer is to buy assets. Welcome to Stock Stories. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host and stock storyteller. Thanks so much for joining me today. This is the podcast where we decode investing principles by looking at the business behind the stock. And we also look at different concepts and mental models to help us really understand the mechanics of how investing works and why we're doing what we're doing. And so today we're going to be talking about what is an asset. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, what is an asset? Well, let's begin with a simple definition. An asset is something that has monetary value. An asset is something that has monetary value. Entrepreneurs create assets and investors purchase them. Now there are different aspects of an asset that make it have that value. And understanding the different types of assets in terms of how they generate value is really fundamental to becoming an investor because you'll understand how your returns are generated. Does that make sense? It's not just about making money, quote unquote, or getting a high rate of return, quote unquote. We need to understand why and we need to understand how. So in order to understand that, let's look at the four different types of assets from the perspective of how they generate returns. And I think this will make things a little bit more clear to you because we can start to categorize and see in our minds how different things that exist actually make money. So there's four different types of assets based on this categorization. Category number one are consumption items. Category number two are depreciating assets that produce income. Category three are growing assets. And then the fourth category are growing assets that produce income. Now we'll talk about each one of these, the pros, the cons, understanding different examples. So let's go ahead and begin. Okay, first let's talk about consumption items. 
This is the most common type of asset there is, and there are examples of this all around us. Everything around us is pretty much a consumption item. The device you're listening to this on, for example, that's a type of consumption item. Maybe it's an iPhone, maybe it's a tablet, maybe it's a laptop. Um, maybe you've got some other type of player or smart speaker device that you're listening to this on right now. But at some point, you purchased it or it was purchased for you by someone else as a gift. Now, consumption items, which are also known as depreciating assets, these are assets that have value, but they gradually lose their value over time. And this is usually because they have something about them that inherently makes them less useful or they're just less attractive relative to newer versions of the item. Now, an example of this that I think is really great are cars. The average new car in America, it costs somewhere around $30,000 or so. And within the first five years of a car's life, it goes down in value by an average of about 40% after just five years. Now, this is why used cars tend to be much more affordable than new ones, particularly when economic times are good and most people who purchase a car would rather opt for a new one. So used car prices tend to fall significantly after just five years of being manufactured. They just go out of fashion very quickly because the the product development cycle for new cars is just so fast. And we've studied this, in fact, with businesses like Copart and other similar businesses like Ford, etc. We've learned about the car industry. And that's just a great example of a consumption item. It's something that, yeah, has value. It costs a fair amount of money to buy a new car, right? But as soon as you drive that thing off the lot, it's going to lose value. Now, cars, they have real utility. They provide transportation, but their value inevitably declines as the newer, the prettier, the more efficient models are developed and then marketed by auto manufacturers. Now, the same thing is true for other items. In fact, almost any other consumption item, such as a smartphone or a television or the sofa in your living room, right? Have you ever tried to sell a piece of furniture? I mean, you may have paid hundreds of dollars for it, maybe even more, but you're not going to be able to sell it for as much as you paid for it, most likely, unless it's some antique or collectible type of piece of furniture. So unless you have the skills to bring an old item back to life, such as you know refurbishing old furniture or repairing a broken laptop, these are not great assets to invest in. These are things to consume and enjoy for the purposes of living our lives, but they don't serve any financial purpose except to maybe sell it at a lower price and use the money for something else. So that is consumption items. Now let's talk about depreciating assets that produce income. Now, depreciating assets that produce income have some value to us as investors, but it's limited and it's primarily based on the cash that it can provide. So take something like a patent for an invention, for example. It might produce royalties based on its usefulness, but 
over time, it becomes worth less and less if something else is invented and makes it obsolete. Another example I can think of is pharmaceutical companies or drugs. Think about some name brand drugs that pharmaceutical companies produce that have immense value when they're first released. But as soon as those drugs go off patent a couple of decades later, well, by then you can pretty much guarantee that generics have flooded the market and the pharmaceutical company won't be able to protect the lucrative nature of that drug anymore. It's pretty much run through its useful life as far as financially for that company. So that's another type of asset. Another type of example that I can think of is music royalty rights. So think about music. When an artist creates a song and that song is popular, that song will generate a steady stream of cash. However, if the artist's work fades from the limelight and they're not as popular anymore and they don't continue to produce hits, over time, that music becomes less valuable from a financial perspective. So think about a one-hit wonder, right? Someone creates an incredible song that just takes over and everyone wants to listen to it. They're pulling up Apple Music, they're pulling up Spotify, they're listening to it on YouTube. People can't get enough of this song. Well, when that song is played on all these platforms, the artists will get a very, very small portion of the income generated from that stream, typically. And that's called a royalty. And those royalties will become non-existent over time if people stop playing and streaming the song, right? So there are types of assets that can have a lot of value that produce income, but over time they become less valuable. Now let's talk about growth assets, growing assets. As investors, we want to own things that grow, right? <laughs> if something grows in value over time, it falls into this category. A perfect example of this is when someone buys a personal residence. Now, I typically don't like categorizing homes, personal residences as assets because they typically don't generate cash and we'll get to that in a moment, but they are assets in the sense that you can make money from them if you sell them for more than what you pay for them. So when you buy a home, it has a certain value when it's purchased and then over time, theoretically at least, that value will grow. Now this isn't just true of real estate, but it's true of a lot of different types of assets and we'll learn more about the specific types in part four of this series. Now stocks are growth assets, right? Artwork, collectibles, precious metals. These are all things that can be considered growth assets. If it increases in value over time, particularly if it does so at a rate that's much higher than inflation, then this may be fertile ground for us as investors. And then the last type of asset are growth assets that produce income. Growth assets that produce income can be attractive to investors depending on their goals and life circumstances. Now, for example, though all stocks are ideally growth assets, some of them pay dividends to their shareholders. Now, dividends, if you've followed the show for any length of time, you're very familiar with them. They're a form of income you receive just because you own the stock. And that's a way that you can get income or especially passive income from your investments. 
Now, another example are bonds. Bonds produce interest income. Someone borrows money from someone else, and then that person has to pay back the principal with interest. That's another form of income from this asset class. Rental properties produce rental income, and intellectual property produces royalties or licensing income. The important thing to take note of here is that the income that you receive as an investor is in no way tied to your personal labor, right? It's completely dependent on the asset itself. If a corporation keeps making more money than it knows how to reinvest profitably, it'll sometimes rapidly increase the dividends that it pays to its shareholders. If you purchase bonds that help fund, for example, the construction of a new hospital system, the interest that you receive might be based on the revenue that the future hospital generates. And so de- so decoupling income generation from your time, decoupling income generation from the time you spend working is absolutely key for financial independence. Because this income can either be generated by selling assets, most likely those growth assets we talked about, or by holding assets that produce cash, or both, right? You can make money by selling assets or by collecting cash from assets. And this last category is my favorite type because not only are you getting something that grows in value over time, but you're getting something that grows in value over time and provides you a steady stream of cash over time. All right, so we've talked about the four categories of assets and define what an asset is and what the different characteristics are. I want to make a quick note about growth and income because a lot of assets that produce income don't grow very fast and a lot of assets that grow very fast don't produce income. So like, how do we reconcile this as investors? And, and frankly, this is one of the things that I wrestle with when I'm analyzing different types of stocks, for example. So we've looked at assets from the perspective of whether or not it grows and whether or not it generates income. So growth is obviously good and income is obviously good. Another thing to keep in mind is just looking at this this mixture of growth and income. Even though a growth asset might not produce any income at all, it might be growing at such a fast rate that you'll earn way higher returns than investing in an asset that produces income and grows at a more modest pace. So you have to kind of weigh this in your own personal analysis. Now, after all, if the asset is producing income, it has less money that can be reinvested for future growth. And this is particularly true with stocks because they represent shares of companies that are managing money all the time. So if you're at a point in your life where you want to focus on creating additional income for yourself, focus on income-oriented assets, right? Things like bonds, things like dividend-paying stocks in particular, things like real estate investment trusts might be good for you to check out. If you want to focus on increasing your net worth as fast as possible, that's when you want to focus on growth assets. So maybe you might focus on the younger companies that have shares of stock available or companies that are growing their earnings at a faster rate those may be better for growing your net worth. So it just depends. You have to think about this with multiple variables in mind. And 
keep in mind that this is a spectrum. It is not a binary decision. You can invest in both, right? You can buy some stocks that pay lots of dividends. You can buy some stocks that pay no dividends but are growing really fast. That's okay. You just have to decide for you based on your goals what you're trying to achieve. So just remember that different types of assets have different growth and income characteristics. So now that we understand what makes an asset valuable, in the next part of this series coming in a few weeks, we'll be talking about the three major asset classes that we can invest in and how to think about those. Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.